I heard the strangest music from the upstairs kitchen and I just followed it down. Do you understand our music? The whole album has a clear, crisp sound and a new sheen of consummate professionalism that really gives the songs a big boost. Uh, what kind of music do you usually have here? Oh, we got both kinds. We got country and western. What's so important about Chopin? All music is important, Dick. It's the universal language. One of our best hopes for the eventual realization of the brotherhood of man. Now, when I was a boy and rock and roll came to East Germany, communists said it was subversive. Maybe they were right. I'll kill him. Music, my soul, please. E flat from the top. Now, this music is the glue of the world, Mark. It holds it all together. Without this, life would be meaningless. Hello out there in Radioland. On this week's episode of Kruger Records, this secretly isn't an episode of Kruger Records at all. No, my friends, this is the soft pilot for a brand new show, one that I'm delighted to introduce today. So without further ado... You know that new sound you're looking for? Well, listen to this! That's right, music fans, this is Listen to This, a show about music you should listen to. I'm delighted to say this is a joint project with one of my oldest and dearest friends, music guru and pop culture maven, Padawan of Alan Cross, keeper of the industrial and the hardcore the Reverend Brent Chittenden of Dark Side Radio and the True North Nerds podcast. This one's going to be free, but moving forward, listen to this will be available exclusively on True North Nerds and Composers Patreons. Every episode will focus on artists and bands you might not be familiar with, and if you've listened to Kruger Records or Dark Side in the past, you know you're in for a pretty wide variety of stuff. Brent, I want to say welcome, but it's kind of our show, so welcome-ish. Yeah. <laughs> oh, uh, it's, our, our listeners probably don't know this, but we've been t- trying to figure out a show for us, to, like you and I, to do forever, mm-hmm. and then we just kind of stumbled on, like, you had this idea for your show, and then, like, like for a one-shot, and I'm like, why don't we just do this once a month? And that also gives you and I an excuse to talk to one another. Well, we live in the era of, in order to maintain friendships, we must monetize them, right? <clears throat> that's, that's the yeah. only way anybody keeps in touch anymore. Uh, yeah, this is sort of like, the, the, the plan is... Regular listeners of composers uh, will be listening to this because this is going to be on the main site uh, in lieu of Aaron and Jay and I are on leave kind of from the show for the month of July because mostly because Aaron has just got all kinds of cool shit he's doing and Jay needs a break and I need a break and I am not taking one. We're doing this instead, among other things. So the idea is this genesis of this was I wanted to put something up um, this weekend because we don't have anything up going up for regular composers. Uh, and I plan to come back to this topic probably on Kruger Records later. So the topics you can expect from listening to this moving on will not be specific to this topic, which today is Canadian musicians that you probably haven't heard of and you should be listening to. Now, me personally, I don't give a damn about Canada Day because kind of fuck nationalism in general. But yeah, like SEO is a thing. So I guess this is the Canada Day special or whatever. But like it's Canadian musicians that you should be listening to. And we have a boy, do we have a cool list? Yeah, um, speaking of which, so I went through your list, and uh, one of the acts I wasn't familiar with, but the, the the other two were, I just hadn't, like, listened to them in a while. Mm-hmm. So and I had it was, no... It was nice to kind of, like, dive into them, and uh, and the other, and the act that I didn't know, uh, I quite liked, and passed it on to my wife as well. Oh, so. I'm excited to talk about that, and I really liked your picks, too. This is a very, very unique list. We've each picked three bands... 
uh, and we're going to highlight, we're going to, uh, I'm going to, there's going to be like a lot of show notes for this show because uh, we're going to do three bands and we're going to talk about those bands, three bands each. And then we've picked uh, a small sampling of tracks from each band that we're going to put up in the show notes for you guys to listen to. And we'll probably do the, the composers thing that we, Aaron and Jay and I sometimes do, and we'll listen along. So I'll, we'll try to tell you what we're listening to as we talk about them. Um, but I will make that playlist available on Spotify in the show notes as well. So follow the bouncing ball, friends. Here we go. Do you want to start with your first pick or shall I? Uh, I can go if you want me to. Start, start us off. So, uh, my first pick is the newest band on my list. It's a band called Actors. And if you're looking for them, that's Actors all in capitals for some unknown reason. It reminded me of um, churches, I'm, except they didn't fuck with their letters and make the A a W upside down or something. Which, uh, to be fair, is like it, the way actors have done it is better because at least you're not trying to figure out what the word is. Yes. Yeah. Um, so I came across them uh, from their record label, Artifact Records, which is based out of Vancouver, I believe. Um, Artifact is a this great label that's doing a lot of um, sort of like post-punk stuff that in with as much as you can be post-punk at this point. But like a lot of like bands that sound like kind of like they are updated bands from the 80s. Uh, there's a lot of industrial on their their lineup. And in the case of actors, they were on a sampler that Artifacts put out for free um artifact is really good about putting out um i think it's towards the end of the year like around christmas they put out a, a sampler of like kind of like what they used to do with cds back in the day of like Mixed here's tapes. everybody on our label that we're excited about right now yeah and mixtapes functionally like, yeah and it actors i just fell in love with i think it was might have been uh, Love You More was on the first one that I got. And I just, uh, I also got lucky. And then shortly after, Actors had a sale on their Bandcamp page for their stuff. So I, like, just got their first album and just fell in love with this band so much. Um, for those who have never encountered them, you might at first think that you're listening to somebody who would have been a contemporary of, like, later Depeche Mode in the 90s or something Depeche like Depeche Mode that. was the first place I went. I sent this to yeah. Jay, actually, because he's a big fan of that era of 80s music. And I, I immediately was like, Jay would be into this for that reason. Yeah. And it, like, and it, it fits in this weird niche of... It's alternative. It's really well done. But it's all, a lot of it is also danceable. Yeah, I was just going to use that exact word. Actually, I'm listening to "Love You More" right now, and we'll put uh, we'll put these tracks up um, on on the liner notes. Like I said, liner notes on the show notes. That's I'm a good way of liner referring notes. to yeah. them, though. I, I'm good with that. Yeah, me too. Liner notes. I'm into it. So yeah, um, that that's the the basics. There, they have also. Um, they are, they also have like a couple sub bands, but they're, they're currently touring Europe right now. And they're a band that I really think is, they're like just a hit song, like, a, like a more, I guess a more public hit song away from being a really big deal. Yeah. Their, their production values are incredibly good. They're, and they're just... 
super tight for a band that like they've only got two releases right now. Like there's a lot of singles and EPs, but they're they've only got like two actual proper releases. And yeah, the way so, that, the uh, the way this hit my ears immediately was, what if the Killers got in a time machine with Portugal and the Man and went back to like 1982? I can see a little bit of that, especially the Killers. Uh, to be honest, I'm not incredibly familiar with. Uh, Portugal, the man's material. It's very. I know, I know you like them a lot. Uh, it just I've never sat down and kind of like listened to them, which I really should one of these days. They're highly danceable and they're very catchy. And this has like goth that feel. You know, I had I had friends in my twenties that were really into like kind of the industrial goth scene as to go and dance, to go out to clubs. Yeah, you know, subspace and places like that here in Toronto. And, uh, this would have very much appealed to that demographic of people. And as I learn more about dancing, as the f- listeners of the of composers uh, can attest, I learned about the joys of dancing when we did musical May. And I, I've been listening to this and I've kind of been bopping around my kitchen listening to this last few days in preparation for this. I really like actors. I'm, and I know a lot of people who would too, because they're really yeah. accessible. It's a it and like this also comes up like when we were discussing putting this this show together like this particular episode of like in like my circle of music they're a big deal right like mm-hmm. in like the the like in the cold wave and like post punk and and even touching on like goth scenes they are a fairly big deal at this point, but outside of that, nobody knows who they are. You mentioned Cold- which is a shame. Yeah, you mentioned Cold Wave before we started recording. Um, yeah, what is what is Cold Wave? What is that? Um, it is the the basic sum up for it, and this is this is just a catch all for it. Is a lot of Cold Wave artists are uh, bands that sound like they should be from the eighties but have been updated a little bit and are actually from, like, last week. Okay, so this is like, it's like the the Greta Van Fleet effect, where it's like, this sounds like a a more, this sounds like a cleaner, remastered version of Zeppelin or whatever. Yeah. Yeah, it's the the same sentiments with updated tech. (laughs) Better recording quality. Yeah, I'm not sure totally, but I think that the the term itself comes from uh, there's a Cold Waves festival that's in Chicago. Oh, no kidding! For the longest time, Cold Waves is like like or Chicago was like the hub of like weird electronic music. It's where Wax Trax Records was based out of, and that's where you get like everything from like you know uh, danceable, more danceable sort of industrial stuff like uh, My Life with the Thrill Kill Cult. Another Which, ministry uh, side project, I believe. Yeah, it's Uncle Al, uh, isn't it? No, actually, that one's not. Oh, other than of all the ones, <laughs> one of the guys from My Life in the Thrill Kill Cult and Ministry, they were in a band together. But My Life with the Thrill Kill Cult is not actually a side project of Ministry. Oh, okay. like they know each other and have toured with each other. It's one of the reasons I've seen them live is because I've seen Ministry like a dozen times. Yeah, yeah, but um. The thing about My Life with the Thrill Kill Cult is people automatically equate it with they're the band and the crow. Oh, that's, yeah, <laughs> right. and they're and they're they have a song on the crow soundtrack 
And it's very much like your 90s industrial song. And it's a good song, but it's not really reflective of My Life with the Thrill Kill Cult at all. They're much more like this, like, I always describe them as kind of an evil, evil disco band. Okay. So you have, like, dancing acts like that that come out of Chicago, which, like, in a lot of ways, actors sort of lines up more with them. But you also have, like, the Ministries and Revolting Cocks and... Um, and the other thing Chicago is really known for is, uh, like dance music. It's where like, I believe like house music is one of the, it's one of the places where it originates is like Chicago and Detroit. So that that's where cold waves comes from. And now we're getting completely sidetracked from no, the no. original band, this but that's is, okay. Honestly, I, I, the minute you started talking wax tracks, I was like, we have to do a special about that. Like, we have to do a oh. list of this just about wax tracks. The death row of industrial, you know, like. Yeah, yeah, you know, it's, have you ever, have you seen the documentary on them? You and I watched the documentary, I think, if it's the same one I'm thinking of. Or I might, there was a Roadrunner uh, one, too, wasn't there? No, it's the Roadrunner one we watched. Okay, then that was um, the one the, I was thinking The wax of. tracks one only came out, like, a couple of years ago. Mm. Um, I'll see if it's available anything streaming. I I got the Blu-ray. It was very good. Um, and for uh, uh, for your listeners who are haven't delved into my show, uh, I did do like in an interview with the director of that documentary like years ago. Oh, dope! Which ended up it ended up making some really good connections for me. But I digress. This um, is a tr- so yeah. Ac- Actors is definitely if you if you like stuff like you know like face value if you like the the post punk electronic stuff that was coming out of England and like coming out of Chicago the, this is definitely something up up your alley. It's really cool. I've uh, I really liked. I think the standout of the three of them for me was was crosses. And yeah, it's, and it's because it has real vibe. It's got a, it's a vibe song and I've been delving more and more recently into stuff that's like less lyrically heavy and more kind of along the electronic lines and more instrumental yeah. and things like that. And this is vibey as fuck. And I really, really like it. Actors. Check them out. Um, we're going to do some right turns <laughs> on this episode. Cause oh yeah, that, this is going to be the great thing about it. I'm curious, which, which uh, act are you going with from your list for uh, your pick? Well, first? the first one I'm going to go with, and it's because I'm going to front load the heavy one because this band has uh, a lot of really interesting things in their history that I kind of want to talk a little bit about. And that is the band odds, not the odds odds. And they were formed uh, in 1987, also in Vancouver. Uh, with the original lineup, it was uh, Craig Northey and Stephen Drake who split guitar and vox, Doug Elliott on bass, and Paul Brennan on drums. They started as a 60s cover band called Dawn Patrol, but in 1991, they released their debut album, Neopolitan, which of course refers to new people and not the ice cream. And as a result of the success of that album, they they got the attention of Warren Goddamn Zevon and, and were the backing band and touring opener uh, for his tour for Mr. Bad Example, which also came out in 1991. Really? Yeah. They are credited. Oh, wow. They're not on the record. They're not, they are not the band on the record, but they were the no, opening but... band and his backing band for that entire tour in 91. Oh, cool. Yeah. I was, and I love Warren Zevon. So I, you turned me mm. on to Warren Zevon, actually. Uh, so this was, so they, they, they all immediately fell into a particular niche market. And then by 93, 
uh, when they released Bed Bugs, which was their sophomore record, this was a big year for them because the big single from Bed Bugs was Heterosexual Man, the video for which featured Canadian sketch legends Kids in the Hall. So Dave Foley, Kevin McDonald, and Mark McKinney all appeared in drag, big surprise, for the video for this for this song, and it wound up being used. It be developed a relationship between them and McCullough and all those guys, and they would work together later. Uh, Paul Brennan left the band in 95 to join another Canadian band that we might talk about one day, Big Sugar, and was replaced. Oh, yeah, he okay. was he was replaced by Pat Seward, formerly of Brian Adams Band, uh, just yep. in time for them to release their most critically successful album, which was Good Weird Feeling. The next year, they released Nest, and they spent uh, the remainder of the 90s touring extensively. They opened for they were opening for Canadian royalty. They were opening for the Bare Naked Ladies and the Tragically Hip. Those were what they were. That's what they were doing in the 90s. And then they went on hiatus yep. for almost 10 years, leaving aside a couple of best of releases. They went on to do other shit during that time. Uh, Elliot Seward and Northey did an instrumental record under the name Sharkskin that I really want to check out. And yeah, okay. uh, Steve Drake mixed Trouble at the Hen House, uh, the oh, the Trouble Charger yeah. record. And then, uh, as you mentioned off mic, uh, Northey and uh, the Gin Blossoms guitarist Jesse Valenzuela got together and recorded the theme song Not A Lot Going On for the Canadian sitcom Corner Gas, which was very big, featuring Brent Butt. Uh, and I think became a cartoon later for our international listeners. You guys might know Corner Gas. Um, anyway, like a lot of bands with generic word names, I wonder if Actors is ever going to have this happen. Odds let their rights to their own name lapse. So oh. uh, when they released uh, Cheerleader, which was the first record that they released since their hiatus, when in 2008 Cheerleader came out, and was originally released under the name The New Odds, because uh, they had to pull a Bush X until they got it sorted. Oh, I, I vaguely remember hearing about that now that you mention it, like, or at least the new odds part. Yeah. So um, after they got their name back, the first thing they did was release an EP called Noise Trade, which included songs from cheerleaders as well as some covers uh, by a band called Pointed Sticks and, believe it or not, Art Bergman, which we'll get into later. <laughs> Um, yeah. so, um, I couldn't find out what song by him went on that record, but I did find a cover of him covering Faithlessly Yours that I'll include in the show notes just for fun, because it's kind of cool. Oh, cool. Anyway, yeah. uh, Odds released a few more records since then, most lately a string of EPs through 2013 and 2014, and a single out this year called Fall Guy. But for me, the high watermark for this band was their run through the 90s as one of my very favorite underrated acts of the era, Canadian or otherwise. Yeah. I th I think I know I I'm uh, so for younger listeners um the 90s <laughs> here's where I sound like an old man yeah. the 90s were like for Canadian music especially that which was dubbed alternative at the time mm -hmm. was a really special era and I'm not saying like every band that was out there was big and good what I'm saying is for like the longest time, the only Canadian music you got exposed to on the radio was uh, Brian Adams, Glass Tiger, Gordon Lightfoot. Shania Twain all Shania. the fucking time. Thanks, Mutt Lang. Yeah. So it, it and like to be fair, nothing's wrong with that, but it, it was huh. the way to cover for Canadian content laws. And then like the alternative break happened in the U.S., and luckily for everybody else, that spread from the U.S. to, like, Canada and England, where it was okay for us to, like, 
have bands that were good and that we like and got airplay. Yeah. And you would see, like, the nice thing was, is all these guys would team up for these tours, like you previously mentioned. Like, I have seen Moist. I want to say like six or seven times. Just because they end up treble chargers the same way. Yeah. Pre and, and like, post Greg they, Norrie going insane, but yes. Yeah. And I don't own like a moist album. They're <laughs> like, they're, they were at the time, they were one of the best live bands out of Canada, but like their, their albums uh, never really did too much for me, but mm. they were just, they were always touring with another band that I liked, so I saw them a lot. Moist was on my list of bands that I really liked in the 90s that were Canadian, but they were too big compared to a band like Odds or like the Headstones yeah. occupied the same place. There was a few bands like that where you'd kind of hear them and go, oh yeah, I kind of know, or 5440 was kind of like that because um, they only really got popular because uh, fucking Hootie and the Blowfish covered their song and whatever. So like there was this weird B tier of musicians and, yeah, and bands that and, happened at that time. And I know I saw the odds. I want to say I saw them when they opened up for Bare Naked Ladies. Somewhere. That would make sense because I know you've that seen would be the, the, the best bet because I saw Bare Naked Ladies a half a dozen times too during that period. So I never saw odds. They were introduced to me by my former band partner. I was in a two man band for like 10 years and uh, my former band partner introduced me to this band as being something that I might enjoy. And I really, really did. I become yeah. a, I became a big fan. And so the, the three songs that I, that I included, uh, I tried to pick from across their breadth of my favorite time in their music. So the first track I've included is King of the Heap, which is their very first single. It was the first track off the first record off of, uh, Neapolitan. And it is a cool, groovy, kind of very of its time my favorite parts of the 90s are kind of wrapped up in king of the heap um the second the second one is off of bed bugs which is the little death which is just a straight up rock song and i really like the song writing that that odds do i like their lyrics a lot uh king of the heap was very poetic but the little death obviously refers to le petit more or orgasms uh so it's a song about fucking and it's very, very funny. The second verse, the, the second verse is the praying mantis bites off the head of her lover and then chews on the stump. Black widow spiders kill their boyfriends every time they hump. I'm not talking about the blind sacrifice of a lemming running into the sea. I'm talking premeditated first degree murder by you of me. And that is a very funny, that's got like Howard Ashman feel to it. Not as, not as clever, but it's got that like, there's a there's a few lines that that they bring up that are very you kind of laugh and go oh that was that was cute, and that was another hallmark of yeah. of '90s writing that I really liked, and then the final song that I included is maybe my favorite song by by Odds, which is the last drink off of Good Weird Feeling, and this is a funeral dirge. This is a song about having a drink with someone's urn, functionally, uh, carrying your ashes from bar to bar is the opening line. Uh, I'm in a mess and I'm a mess and I'm in a mess and you're in a mason jar. <laughs> and the song goes from there and it's a very melancholy tune, uh, right up to the very, very end. The very end of the song becomes this sort of swing time. Uh, it's a very, it's a shift. You'll, you'll have to listen to it, but it's maybe the song I want played at my funeral. I'm not a hundred percent sure. Uh, but it's, it's a it's a beautiful track and it really highlights the breadth of what odds 
did over a very short period of time. They very famously uh, wrote a song called uh, Wendy Under the Stars, which put them on the radio mm. as well that almost made this list because the the uh, the line is, I was fucking Wendy under the stars the night that Elvis died, which they had to change to, I was kissing Wendy when they put it on the radio because people lack courage. But <laughs> the broadcasters lack courage, put the fuck in. But yeah, Odds was a band that I I, I, they, I go back to again and again. When I'm in a 90s mood, which which is often, they're a band that I revisit regularly because they're fun to listen to. They're um yeah. they're dynamic and they are not a flash in the pan, but they are so indicative and representative of the time that they were really big and the time that they were really like at their at their apex. And that's yeah. a place I like to visit a lot. So yeah, odds. Check them out. I'll uh, I'll throw this on as a, like a last uh, little bit of a coda to Alex's pick. If you want like an interesting snapshot of that '90s Canadian music time period that I was talking about, look up the odds video for "Eat My Brain." Oh, that's another one. Almost made my list. Yeah. So the video for that is them being chased around like by a bunch of other Canadian bands from that time period, like that are threatening to beat them up, kind of thing. In it, it's like. I want to say it's Junk House, Pursuit of Happiness. Like, there, there's, like, four or five band cameos in there that just give you, like, a good snapshot of what was going on in Canadian music at the time. I'm, we're going to have to come back to this again at some point because I just, the minute you message, mentioned Pursuit of Happiness, like, six other bands popped into my mind that we could also talk oh, about yeah. in terms of Canadian bands you should be listening to. Uh, but we will visit those another day. Let me turn the mic back to you, Brent. What's your second pick? Um, since we mentioned him, uh, we'll go with Art Bergman next. Yeah. Uh, I discovered Art Bergman the way uh, a lot of uh, Canadian kids my age did. Uh, much music. He uh, would occasionally appear, like his videos would occasionally pop up. Um, he is it's Canadian like, so- MTV for our American listeners. Yeah, and I don't know how to equate him to somebody else in music i guess um maybe in some ways he like you can almost compare him to elvis costello like he's a guy he he came out of vancouver's punk scene another maybe this is the all vancouver episode (laughs) (laughs) Um, it's not he was in a he was in a punk band called the young canadians which are they were formerly before that they were called the ktels mm-hmm. but then ktel records uh threatened to sue them for obvious reasons so they changed to the young canadians and they're one of those punk bands that like i honestly don't know much about but whenever you see documentaries about uh, punk music especially from the west coast like uh both in, like canada and the us they get mentioned, like they're, they're usually name dropped. I've uh, what's his name? Um, uh, Duff McKagan from Guns N' Roses brings them up every once in a while. Really? He, Duff McKagan. Uh, side note, like sidetracking yet again. Duff McKagan is one of those guys. Like he is the the keeper of like Northwest punk rock knowledge because he played in that scene when he was younger. And for whatever reason, despite everything he did to himself, now that he's clean, his memory is, like, crystal clear on all that stuff. Yeah. But anyways, going back to Art Bergman, 
Um, and that's Bergman with uh, two N's at the end of it. Jawohl. Um, yeah. Um, German spelling. Yeah. It, he is um, a poet that, it, like, uh, as far as, like, his lyrics go, uh, a rocker and punk rocker as far as the music goes, and even there, there's songs that kind of don't fit any genre as well. There's other stuff that, like, Faithlessly Yours is, like, almost like just a pop love song in it a lot of ways. It absolutely is, yeah. Yeah, and he is, he is sort of one of those guys that is it's a shame that people haven't recognized how good of a songwriter he was up until the last couple of years. He's, he's what's the, the term the kids say? He, he's been finally getting his flowers the last little while. Um, where and he is like old, older than everybody who's going out there right now, mm. but his songwriting is just so good and so like it, he can be romantic, but he can also like tracks like um, a song called "Contract" with the which is off of uh, "What Fresh Hell Is This" is all about his fight with his previous record label, and you can hear the like the 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 punk rock young Canadian Art Berkman is still in there and is still ready to punch somebody in the face. That's interesting. Cause I'm listening to faithlessly yours right now. And it sounds like a fucking Rembrandt song to a certain degree. Like, oh, it's yeah. good, but it's yeah, like, very pop. Um, yeah, he's, he's just very interesting. And to uh, like, kind of what we were talking about a little bit in the opening of the song, um, to, just sort of give like how good he is at his art um bergman was made a member of the order of canada in in 2020 oh, it really? was announced yeah Not a lot of except he kind that. of yeah so but at the same time he uh turned around and sort of like i basically said something along the lines of like i don't know who put my name up for this <laughs> Um, it's kind of, it is a bit flattering, but at the same time, how Canada has treated like our indigenous populations and, and things of that nature, go fuck yourselves. <laughs> like he turned it down, which is like that, that old punker is still in there. I so, appreciate yeah, that. The, yeah. It, it's nice to see that there are still guys out there who are raging against the machine and he's still recording music he just released an album this year uh which is titled um late stage empire dementia um which is a reference to his wife passed away last year to due to basically onset dementia and that sort oh, of geez, stuff really and it was like a, he is kind of put together an album that is you know very honest and very loving, but also very brutal at the same time. But, uh, yeah, it, it's like I said, I discovered him years ago and it's one of those things that as I get older, I just fall more in love with the music he makes. He's so, yeah, he's um, fun. Um, I, I appreciate, I appreciate the name of the record pound for Vegas came off of, which is sexual roulette. 
Roulette. Yep. I like that. I'm, I'm into that. And this one's definitely a lot. I can hear more of that, that late 70s punk feel to it and stuff like that. This is cool. Yeah. If you, if you listen to the song Contract is very much like that as well. Um, so the, the songs that I picked for the, the playlist is, uh, Message from Paul and Faithlessly Yours are both off of, uh, Remember, Remember Her Name, um, which is a remaster and kind of, redo a little bit of his self-titled album so it's from a ways back and then i used uh bound for vegas um for from sexual roulette as the the final track from it which is it's one of it's also a song that was like timely at the the whole plot of bound for vegas is a um what's the line uh washed up it has been never was trying or washed up never was trying to be a has been. Oh, I love that. Yeah, which is really good. That's 100% um, about shit. Wow. Going to Vegas to try and salvage an already like unnoticed and failing career. Right. But you look at it now is that like now Vegas is the place where people go and do their residencies again, right? Yeah. Like it was for a while there with guys like Elvis and then it stopped after Elvis died and now it's all picked up back again. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, those three songs I'd also, um, suggest if you're really interested with them, uh, a while back, a uh, friend, and we can say this cause this is also my show, a uh, friend of the show, Jeff Woods did an interview with him about his latest album a while back. That's really good um, for his uh, podcast, uh, Records and Rockstars. So. Which is uh, also the name, I believe, of his book. Uh, yep. And, and his, book his current radio great. show. Yeah, his book is really good. He's a good dude, too. Jeff's a good... We should talk to him about maybe doing this uh, one. I, so when we started talking about the idea of maybe having guests on occasionally, I made a list. <laughs> and yeah, that Jeff's on that list for sure. Yeah, and he's also... He, I, I know him well enough that if we can work out times, he's somebody I feel we can easily get. Oh, well, that would be terrific. That would be a lot of fun. Yeah. Uh, we'll talk We'll talk more about Jeff another time. But yeah, in the meantime, yeah. Art Bergman, check him out. Okay, so who are you going with? So next, I'm gonna. T- this is this is uh, a little unusual because it's not something I talk about that much on the main show. But I am a big, big fan of rap and hip hop um, as a genre. I am not versed. I like what I hear. I know what I like. I really enjoy it. And I've been I've been being I've been listening a little bit more research wise lately into into some of the the classics. You know, the staples things that I should have listened to by this time if I'm going to be into this. But as a result, one of the people that I wanted to bring up is actually uh, a, a local person who who is uh, into creating that kind of music. And uh, this, this gentleman's name is Word Burglar, the stage name for Halifax-born Toronto-based rapper Sean Jordan, who came on to... Oh, is he still in Toronto? Uh, SJ, I think, is still in Toronto as far as I know. I was under the impression he too had moved out west. I maybe I could be wrong. I I know like the people he, yeah the people he works with are still here. Like the people doing his records and that are still based here. But uh, oh, okay, so okay, so, never mind. Yeah, so SJ SJ's from from Halifax originally. Uh, he came onto my radar back when I was working in fandom of the Capes and Comics variety, uh, as opposed to you know goals and touchdowns and whatnot. Full disclosure, I have shared stage with SJ a number of times, and I wanted to give him a little love because he's actually in the in the process of releasing a vinyl version of his 2012 record, Third Burglar. And 
SJ's a good guy, and he's uh, and he's a he's a very good rapper, and he's a lot of fun to listen to. He started his career after moving out east, uh, moving from out east from Halifax out here in 2002. He initially called himself SJ the Word Burglar and was part of a group called uh, Dregs of Society. His first single as uh, as a solo artist came from Toronto producer Dave Beat Mason Richardson, uh, and then he signed with Hand Solo Records here in Toronto, which is the home of other Canadian hip-hop talent. Uh, Mocha Only, formerly the Swollen Members, is on that label. Uh, since then, he's released eight studio albums, including the 2013 concept record, Welcome to Cobra Island, which keen listeners might recognize as the home base of the bad guys from G.I. Joe, which seems like as good a time as any to mention that SJ has a long-standing interest and investment in all the things we used to call nerdy before nerd became synonymous with incel shithead or whatever. And it's present all over his material, from 2006 Burglaritis through to the last year, last year's Burgonomic. Not all of them are burger puns. He pairs funny analogy, genuine narrative structure, and a sincere love for the dual cities of his upbringing. And, and, and he sets it to upbeat, kind of pop-forward beats that are easy to listen to and easy to listen to and enjoy. But I have to say, one of the things I really like about SJ's stuff is that Canadian music and you touched on this a bit earlier um brent when you mentioned uh like we have laws in canada about how canadian content has to work on the radio and things like that and maybe we'll do a special on that one day too because it's a very interesting thing to talk about but as a result one of the things that they want to see is mentioning like mention in lyrics of like canada stuff right so that's why you'll hear you know the tragically hip writes a song about bob cajun which is a town in ontario you know that kind Mm -hmm. of thing and Often I struggle with it because I I live in Americana, right? Like a lot of my favorite musicians are like folk and country and like alt, you know, outlaw shit from the American Midwest and South. And they can bring up, you know, places in America and have it sound cool. When I hear people do it here, all I hear is fucking, what's his name? What was his name? Sean something. That It's his fault that everybody calls it the T-Dot. You know who I'm talking oh, about? No, Sean Desmond. Drake? No, oh, no, no, no. Sean Wait, Desmond um, was the T dot. Drake was the no, six. No, it wasn't Sean Desmond. It was um, uh, Chocolaire. Was it Chocolaire that did the T dot? Yeah, or at least that's the one that I. That's the first one I remember. Okay. using it in like lyrics. Anyway, it's really awkward, and I hate it. Usually, it's it's it has like little brother cringe feel to me when it's like, well, we're gonna talk about Toronto the same way we talk about New York. No, we're not. But. SJ does a really good job of it. Um, particularly his Halifax stuff is very natural. Like, I'm not from the East Coast. My wife is. Uh, so she knows that area. And I'm willing to bet she would get a lot of his references. But they don't mm. feel forced. They don't feel plugged in because it's got to be CanCon for the radio. Like, he's very good at it. And it's a lot of fun to listen to. So the three, the three uh, I, again, I tried to pick from across his career. The three I picked, the first one, was completely indulgent on my part from third burglar 2012 is rhyme o'clock which was uh, uh, actually a collaboration with him and uh, more or less who's another canadian toronto rapper who i quite like uh, and who i've also got to share stage with less is a cool guy and the reason i picked this is first of all it's a it's a great track and it and it includes a lot of those toronto type references that i mentioned or canada type references that i mentioned mm. that are fun like uh there's a there's a specific line through uh, about halfway through the song or so and it's uh 
So Halifax to Orlando, run the millennium like Han Orlando. Is that word burglar? Yeah, you know it's fam. And I'm down with Sharon like Lois and Bram. Goddamn. Yeah. And uh, and in the video, Bram and shows they up. got Bram and Sharon, Lois, and Bram for our our uh, <clears throat> international listeners were a, a, a children's entertainment trio that yeah. I'm trying to think of an American like analog. Like imagine if like Mister Rogers sang and had two friends. I well, I was going to say, uh, what if Peter, Paul, and Mary made albums for kids? Yeah, that's a far better analogy. <laughs> because, uh, like, I think that's where they came out of originally, was they were, they were like, the, Toronto folk. They were super in the folk just scene. just ended yeah. up being, like, kids entertainers. But they are legends in Canada. Like, Sharon, Lois, and Bram, yeah. an entire, my entire generation grew up on Sharon, Lois, and Bram, and the generation before mine, and the generation after mine. Like, they are, they've been around for a long time. Most of them are not around anymore unfortunately, but uh, they got Bram to appear in the video very briefly, and the video also features the old location of the Silver Snail comic shop, which is a place I used to spend some time working with, uh, and a lot of people I know are in the music video, um, and it's, it's, a, it's a snapshot of a time that was kind of in fandom where it was cool to be a nerd for like 20 minutes before everything came crashing down and everything was Gamergate and whatnot. And in that time, guys like Bergie really shone. And that, that video is a really great snapshot of that time. Uh, the second track I picked was called Destro from Welcome to Cobra Island because I had to include something from Welcome to Cobra Island because it is a concept record. And it's, it is dedication to the bit like I've never fucking seen before. This is Weird Al levels of dedication. Mm. Um, because his lyrics are very clever. I don't know a lot about G.I. Joe because I didn't, I wasn't allowed to watch it as a kid. Because it was war yeah. and violence, and my parents didn't want me to watch it. So I, I don't, have, so I never had any of the toys or any of that shit. But SJ did, and you can tell. And this song called Destro, I basically understand Destro now, having never seen GI Joe. I'm like, I get it. <laughs> He's like evil Q, like Q from the James Bond franchise. Yeah, yeah. And I'm like, got it, cool. And it's very cool. And I, I highly encourage if you're a fan of of GI Joe, then check it out. It's very interesting, and it's it's not like like Pride and Prejudice and Zombies where they take a joke that's funny for five seconds and turn it into a two-hour movie or like a full book. Mm. This stays fun and fresh. Um, and speaking of fun and fresh, the last the last track that I went back and forth on about seven times and probably infuriated Brent was from Bergonomic, which was last year's record. And the song, I keep wanting to say it's called Lenny Boutillier because that's how I was taught to pronounce that last name. But on... The East Coast or small town Ontario. It's Lenny Boudelier. And it is a narrative song about a guy that if you grew up in damn near any small town, but especially a small town in East Coast, Ontario, uh, East Coast, Canada, or here in like Southern Ontario, you know this guy. Uh, and the way he describes him throughout the song had two different girlfriends, both named Trulene. Every sentence he said started with frig, you know, made moonshine out of wood. It wasn't good. Once started a gang war in Bangor, robbed the same Sobies twice, wore dirty jerseys to church. We know this guy. The guy he claimed to have invented selling hash oil in bottle caps. Like, we all knew this guy, and you and I specifically knew a couple of these guys. <laughs> and it's Lenny Boudelier, and it's a really, really fun track. One of the things that I like about SJ is that he is very aware of how he operates in a musical genre that did not originate with white people to put it bluntly. So he's, he raps what he knows. He doesn't pretend to be from somewhere. He's not, 
Um, yeah. You know, if you meet SJ in person, he's the nicest guy. Like this guy is like not what you imagine. Like he's not got that like Eminem edge of like, I'm a white guy and a rapper. And he's very friendly and his music is very approachable and it's a lot of fun. There's, it's actually stuff you can share with your kids for the most part. He's very light on the swearing and stuff like that, but he's not a children's yeah. entertainer. He's just. He's like if you listen to Weird Al's original stuff, like not Weird Al's parodies, but like if you listen to the songs that Weird Al Yankovic and his band have written, it's more like that, where it's very, it's very smart. And it's a lot of fun to listen to if you're a lyricist and if you're into, you know, rap and hip hop. And especially if you're, if you're into rap and hip hop and you're also into like comics and shit like that, he does a lot of that stuff. And he's connected to a ton of really cool, uh, other sort of Canadian acts, Fresh Kills, he's done a lot of work with. Uh, he's played regularly with the Cybertronic Spree, um, who are another band here in Toronto who are kind of a niche outfit. They, they dress as Transformers and play the 1989 soundtrack, whatever it was that movie came out. Yep. Uh, so he's done a lot of stuff with them. Anyway, Word Burglar, check him out. Yeah, it's, it's, funny because i nearly went with a hip-hop act on mine too because mm. i i wanted to throw one on there uh because you know outside of our borders a lot of canadian hip-hop artists who are very good just don't get like they don't break out of our country for whatever reason mm -hmm. right mm -hmm. and that, like i i'd be willing to say you could pretty much say that for everywhere other than the states Hip-hop in the States can spread everywhere, but hip-hop from places like England or Canada, it, it has a much harder time breaking out and crossing borders than the U.S. Version. Yeah, unless you happen to be Mike Skinner, you're not going to get a lot of play outside of, like, fucking Manchester or wherever that guy's from. Yeah, and and that's the thing. Even, like, the streets, I don't know. Uh, they had, like, that brief moment where that, that song got really big in like the states but like the other like he he's made like five other albums since then you know yeah <laughs> and they're like they're, none of them have gotten airplay and the, like and there's like um it's it's interesting to see and and i think m maybe younger people would have a better connection to canadian hip-hop now than i would obviously because mm -hmm. it wasn't my thing to begin with there's just there's a handful of acts i really like like I nearly went with Dream Warriors, who were a superb hip hop duo out of Toronto Dream Warriors for are dope. Like years and years. Yeah, the, the, them, um, Maestro Fresh West, as yeah. like is really one of the pioneers of that for Canadians. Like he kicked down a lot of doors, and like it's one of those things that he may come off like a, like his earlier stuff may come off as a little corny sounding now. But at the time, he was like, he was our hip hop guy. Like, there wasn't anybody else getting airplay. And he was touring with Public Enemy. Fuck. Like, the, you want a, like, a surefire sign of a legit artist? There you go. Yeah, Chuck D is not going to fuck with you if you are not a particular <laughs> exactly. type of person. Exactly. Unless you are Flav of Flav, Chuck D does not have time for your bullshit. <laughs> <laughs> that should be a t shirt. Unless you're Flavor Flav, <laughs> Chuck D don't have time for your bullshit. Oh my goodness, I love it. <laughs> um, no, there's a bunch yeah, of so yeah, a, I, a good choice on that, and I like Word Burglar a lot. Um, so I'm glad one of us ended up putting uh, them on. Yeah, did you uh, did um, you ever meet SJ at all? Like at Fanex or anything like that? Maybe, 
Like he, I looked at, I like from watching the videos and looking at him, he looks really familiar, you, but yeah. not like I couldn't call him a friend or even like an acquaintance. No, like that's why I was like, you know, I, I've played, I'm sure he's very I've nice. played shows with him. Like we played, uh, we played Nerd Noise Night here in Toronto a couple of years in a row. Yeah. And we did, uh, free comic book day at Silver Snail and a couple of other things. So I, you know, he's, he and I have been in, our, in one another's periphery for a long time and he's, he's a great guy. Like I got nothing bad to say about SJ. He's a cool dude and I really like his music and I'm glad to bring it to our listeners today. Check it out. You got one more. So from one genre going into completely different. Oh, one. this is going to be turbulence for the rest of this episode. It's going to be all the fuck over the place. <laughs> Um, my, uh, third and final pick for a uh, Canadian band you should check out is Frontline Assembly. Uh, once again, out of Vancouver, Canada. <laughs> um, the, I went with Frontline for, like, in, again, in my thing, they're very, like, the music I usually listen to and that the Dark Side's built around, they're, they're very well known. But outside of that, I don't know how much people would have any idea who these guys are. And it, it basically comes from, uh, the, the main guy, Bill Lee, who has been the only consistent member of uh, Frontline since they began, was originally in Skinny Puppy. Oh. And then he split off very early, though. Like, he split off uh, after a couple singles to do his own thing. And um, it's interesting to see. And, like, and now, like, listening to their music, it's, it's kind of... You can see why he went away from skinny puppy because they definitely had different ideas on where they were going to take their particular brands of electronic music and in the the process frontline and skinny puppy became like the pillar two of the very solid pillars in like 80s industrial like you could throw them it's frontline skinny puppy ministry and then nine inch nails yeah well those are like yeah. the th- the th- Four from the 80s and two of them come out of our country which is really kind of interesting in, in those regards. you know part of like part of the reason that you and i've been friends for as long as we have is is because of our shared love of music and the fact that we turn one another on to shit like this you know like this show yeah. like this is what we do in our private lives right and have for 20 odd years oh my god pushing perilously <laughs> closer and closer yeah. to 30 years but anyway 30 um yep but I, so as a result, I've been listening to Frontline for years because, like, when you and I lived together in the early 2000s, you turned me on to, like, we were still dealing with physical media. So you yes. had CDs and you and I would drive in your car yes. to go get groceries and shit like that. And we would listen to this stuff. And this is why, like, Frontline is one of those bands that made me realize that I like industrial music. Because all the stuff that I'd heard prior, you know, you turned me on to a lot of this, but the stuff that I was familiar with people would go, oh, industrial, like Joy Division. And I'm like, eh, this isn't really for me. Like, I'm not really a big Joy Division guy. I don't really like that 80s synth feel. Uh, well, by the end of the year, we'll see if we can change that. Yeah, right? <laughs> um, but this stuff, because I because you turned me on initially to stuff like Nine Inch Nails, and I've been, a, as a result, a Trent Reznor f- fan for years, stuff like Frontline lined yep. up for me. I listen to something like Millennium, and I'm hearing more White Zombie than I am... Joy Division, you know what I mean? It's hard. Oh, well, yeah, Frontline Assembly, like especially the Millennium album, is in a, is probably their best known work on, 
in in some ways that's unfortunate because it, it don't get me wrong it's a good album but it was definitely the the most 90s industrial album that they could do and this know, is it this have, is the template yeah you you like it and they weren't the only ones but like you it's everything from like you know we have uh guitar samples off of slayer albums we have electronic keyboards there's uh movie clips from hellraiser <laughs> like all over the place it, it like takes off all those boxes but did they the, do this? the track millennium i've always really liked did they do that that sampling movies and stuff is that like a them thing because ministry did a lot of that i think like ministry uh, and ministry it was projects. just one of it was just one of those things that like all those bands kind of did at that time um nine inch nails even did it but nine inch nails covered theirs up a lot if, if that made like it the it there there are like movie samples in the occasional early nine inch nail song but they're so distorted and changed you'd never in a million years be able to figure out what it as was. opposed to like beers steers and queers yeah and the same with this one right like is like you can you can hear pinhead like clear as a bell in it which I, I they must have gotten clearances at the time because it always amazes me that so much of this period of industrial is available to stream so it, it must have been at the start of sampling clearances that that like everybody started getting on board. That's a really good point but, because I get hip hop used to get censured for that shit a lot, a yep. lot, a lot. And I can't yeah, imagine well, there, why that. There's a be. yeah. There, there's like I want to say there's two Beastie Boy songs that like you can you can go to YouTube and find them, but you won't find them legally ever because one of them is um, samples uh, ACDC on, uh, without getting clearance. Oh yeah, yeah, and. Yeah, and it was also during that period where uh, I think another samples uh, Led Zeppelin, and it was during that period where both those bands were like, "No, fuck sampling!" Like oh. they weren't even gonna, like you couldn't pay them enough to allow it to happen. I can't, fuck it. So, I cannot get over the idea of Led Zeppelin of all fucking bands being litigious around use of their music. <laughs> fuck you! Oh my god, that makes me mad. <laughs> It's why people are like Greta Van Fleet's just like Led Zeppelin. I'm like, yes, actually, in more ways. And than they're all, they're all stealing from blues guys who are now. Yeah, they're dead. all stealing from unknown black dudes. That's why I was like, oh, I can't yeah. imagine why hip hop was targeted for using samples and not anybody else. Yeah, you know? and yeah, there's a there's a batch of stuff like yeah. that. But it's and to to be fair, they are both bands have lightened up a little bit, but it's. It's a joke in my house. Um, whenever I'm watching a movie or a trailer, and either ACDC or Led Zeppelin is part of that, I'm like, "Oh, they, they shoveled out some money on this. Like they they have faith in this because that cost them a bit." Yep. I'm still amazed. <laughs> there was a um, I want to say it was a, an episode of that new Muppets show that's on Disney Plus, the the oh, Electric Mayhem show. Yeah, that's on yeah, right I haven't now. watched it yet. Yeah, like the the latest episode has like I want to say three bands, and I'm like, oh, this one must have cost a fortune. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but anyways, back to Frontline Assembly. Part of the reason I picked them is um, they're still kicking. It, it's Bill Lieb tends to he finds a new collaborator, and 
to work with. And the interesting thing about them is they evolve. There, you listen to them now compared to like if you listen to uh, the track "Feeder" that we have on the playlist mm-hmm. compared to "Millennium." If you didn't really know, you might not even think it's the same band. And yeah. that, that comes from them just like you know going in different directions, trying new things. Um, sometimes uh, I I would hazard a guess that Frontline Assembly is probably in the same running for most side projects ever, along with Al Jorgensen from Ministry. Because basically, what happens is uh, Frontline whenever Bill Lee like tries experiments, if it goes too far from what he considers Frontline. It becomes a different band, even if it's all the same people working in it. He just puts a different label on. Okay, it. Um, I had a question about the, that. The best known one that you would know is a band called Delirium that had a fairly big yes. hit with a. It's like uh, it was a song called Silence that Sarah McLaughlin yes. does vocals on. Yes, yeah, that it for all intents and purposes that's just Frontline Assembly. With Sarah McLaughlin doing vocals on that song, but they gave it a different name. Like it's a, it, it was, uh, it was Bill Lieb and Reese Fulber who were the two guys in Frontline at the time, and it was just a side project that, like, well, this is way too ambient and soft compared to what we were doing with Frontline. Well, we'll just put another name on it, and they talked to their record label, uh, Network Records, and Network's like, yeah, okay. This doesn't count towards your frontline deal, but like we'll put out that record. It's so (laughs) interesting that this happens in these genres because I've had a similar conversation to this with a friend of the show, Andy Sell uh, of the Ghoul School podcast, Mm -hmm. because he's a big post hardcore guy and stuff like that. Similar, similar structure to their scene because it's like he was telling me there's a band called, I want to say page 55. Um, that were like had all these different incarnations. We did a, uh, he was on Kruger records. We talked about city of Caterpillar, which was the same thing where there's like they're involved. And it's like, Oh, this guy from this band is in that band and whatever. And, uh, you know, you don't see it as often in like straight rock and roll. You see it in like punk, you see it in industrial, you see it in like post hardcore, whatever, but like yeah. in like straight rock and roll outside of like, I, another friend of the show, actually, Travis Clark, who came on to talk about uh, something else, and we wound up talking a bit about Queens of the Stone Age. They're a band that has a lot of like side projects and shit. But like, yeah. as a general rule, when you get a bunch of white, white, white guys b- playing rock and roll together, if they do something, it's going to end up being damn Yankees, which is, Ooh. you know, like, Ooh. not, maybe all those things are good on their own, depending on your taste. I don't fuck Ted Nugent, but like, I, all those things together are markedly worse. And that's, so it's, it's interesting to me that it seems to be the more fringe and more like, like what we would consider less mainstream genres that seem to have that happen yeah. more. I'm trying to remember now. Damn Yankees was, uh, oh, and I agree. Fuck Ted Nugent. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, it was what? Ted Nugent, one of the guys from Night Ranger. It was a, fu- yeah. And one of the guys from Great White. Am I, am I remember? Because it was a trio. It was three, three guys. It was, uh, so it was, it was Tommy Shaw Sticks, fucking Jack Blades oh, of Night Ranger. Jack Blades of Night Ranger. I'm sure that's his Christian name. And Ted Nugent and Michael Cardellone, who was nobody and then would join Leonard Skinner, which that is on brand. Yeah. Fuck. God. Anyway, so it's just, it's interesting. Yeah. And I wonder whether that's because, like, you know, th- 
definitely I wouldn't know anything about this music if I wasn't friends with you, right? Like you are you yeah. are my like industrial friend in that regard and whatever. And so I wonder whether that's maybe why these guys end up all playing in one another's bands and stuff is because it's just kind of a small scene. Yeah. Uh, well, it's weird. It's like, like you said, it's rock music is the, the one that's really late to the party in terms of like collaborating with one another. And I wonder if the, like you're, you're partially right in, in that is like, you know, industrial, like especially from like the eighties and nineties, they, all those guys toured each other with each other. Most of them were on one of two record labels, if not both, you mm-hmm, know, mm-hmm. It's, it was like, well, I guess three, it would be like, uh, wax tracks out of Chicago, network out of Vancouver, and then played against Sam out of uh, Belgium, Belgium, Belgium or Holland, one of the two. Hmm. Um, and so like they're all touring together, and they can they, they can collaborate. But like you see it in hip hop a lot, right? Yeah, like, in mixtapes oh, yeah, like- and like and like just like you know like it's very. I would say it's probably pretty rare. For a hip hop album to come out now from a major artist where there isn't like a bunch of features and like oh yeah you know guest appearances SJ's from last from people I, the, one of those tracks I almost put on for for uh, when we were talking about Word Burglar um, SJ's latest record Burgonomic has uh, a song called Can I Be on Your Posse track I think that's yeah. what it's called uh, Wanna be wanna be on my wanna yeah, wanna be on my like posse that, cut. Because he sent it to me. Wanna be on my posse yeah. cut, and it features uh, Mocha's on that and a few other people. And uh, I didn't include it because it was too many other people and not him. And I was trying to do that, yeah. but like, yeah, those sorts of tracks are are they required? I don't know. I can't speak to this genre. I'm just a fan. No, me neither. It's like I it I I'm in the same camp as you. Is like I like hip hop. I don't like. Hip hop and weirdly, hip hop and punk are the two genres that like I like a lot of bands from, but I don't actually know a heck of a lot about. Yeah, I'm in the same and hip hop especially. Like I, I came to hip hop and rap very late comparatively. Like I didn't grow up with an interest in that music because '90s hip hop just didn't really appeal to me. Going back and listening to some of it now, depending on what it is, some of it ages very poorly. Some of it ages like fucking milk, but like it's hard. (laughs) It's hard. To listen to Snoop Dogg, man. Like, I like some uh, of his stuff, but yeah. like, haha, G's up, hose down, when you motherfuckers about to the shore. But then you listen to some, like, you listen deeper and you're like, oh, I just can't with this. It's like watching Raw. If you've ever tried to go back and watch, like, Eddie Murphy now. And it's just like, oh, I can't, yeah. I cannot get through 10 minutes of homophobic nonsense. I don't care if it's Eddie Murphy. Yeah, I just that, fucking that's can't do the it. thing, right? Is like, it, and. You know, and he probably wouldn't do those jokes. And, today. Yeah, like and, even even if it meant like his career, like it, it just he he's a different guy at this. Yeah, point. and far be it from but, me to suggest that hip hop and rap are the only misogynistic fucking art forms. Oh. Okay, I mentioned damn Yankees already. You know, yeah. like let's not even like I'm not making that point for sure. It's just it didn't. Yeah, uh, at the time I was not for me, and I've gone back and listened to some of it now, and it's cool, but um. I digress. We kind of went off on a tangent there. Uh, no, no, that's a, that, that's what this show is. Frontline for. Assembly. Check yeah. them out. So, uh, my, my tracks for Frontline Assembly to give you like a good sampling of stuff. Uh, Millennium from the album Millennium. That whole album is, if you like the track Millennium, you will love the rest of that album. It's good. Uh, Mind Phaser, which is from a collection called Reclamation, which is basically just a bunch of singles. Uh, some of which remastered, remixed a little bit. 
And finally, the the last track from them is Feeder, which is probably the most recent thing, one of the most recent things they've done, where you can definitely hear the evolution of, like, what they were to what they are now. Mm -hmm. This is, like, again, I've been listening to these guys for years, and I don't pretend to have the same familiarity as you have, but I would definitely say this is a good, like, spectrum if you want to get into Frontline. Yeah. And uh, so that brings us to your final band, which I had never heard of okay. until you sent over your list, and I quite liked Yes, so. I was really excited to include this wonderful Canadian duo. Uh, they're called Dala, hailing from right, that's D-A-L-A, it's going to be in the show notes. Why did I fucking spell it? This, the liner notes are going to have everything. Uh, so I was introduced to this wonderful Canadian duo hailing from right here in my current hood of Scarborough, which is a sort of a suburb of Toronto. Oh, really? Yep, they are from Scarborough. Okay. Uh, they, they went to, to school out here. Um, I was introduced to them by, uh, my dear friend and friend of the show, Jennifer Ducky Dupuis, who was recently on Kruger Records to talk about Danny Michelle, who Dallas slots neatly into this catalog that Ducky has of Canadian folk musicians. She's my Mariposa mm. connection, right? Like, I get all my folk music from Ducky now when it comes to Canada. Yeah, okay, yep. So, Dalla is uh, Sheila Carabine and Amanda Walther. They met at Mary Ward Catholic Secondary School here in Scarborough and became fast friends. They met at band practice because they were both in school band. And they bonded over their love of music and their really exceptional vocal ranges. They formed Dalla in 2002 and released five studio albums in the next 10 years. Earned them critical acclaim, particularly here in Canada. They are darlings of the Canadian folk scene here. They've been nominated for eight Canadian Folk Music Awards, which only kicked off in 2005. So... Wow. Like, really? Yeah. And they've won one. Oh. Uh, they that seems so weird. Yeah, it does. And and it's that makes it even more impressive that they've been nominated. They started in 2002. The 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 um the awards started in 2005 and between 2005 and 2012 they were nominated for 8. Uh and won one in 2010 they won vocal group of the year. Um their sixth record, their which was a live album entitled Girls from the North Country was nominated for a Juno. For best roots and traditional album of the year stylistically they call to mind the forerunners of lilith fair so notably fellow canadians like Joni mitchell uh there's also a lot of they they draw a lot of inspiration they say from neil young which i can hear but lines can also be drawn to a lot of american influences i hear a lot of appalachian and deep south alice and krauss type stuff in their singing uh and there's definitely a pop flavor to their more commercial output levi blues uh, from 2009's Everyone is Someone was remixed into a radio-friendly version that I did not include on my list that calls to mind Jewel Kilcher's second album, Pieces of You, Jewel, where she went from Who Will Save Your Soul to literally a women's razor commercial. Um, she went super pop overnight, and Levi Blues, the original version... No, was, it wasn't razors, it was uh, shampoo. Was it shampoo? Wasn't it? I thought it was, I I it thought was, it was Venus razors or whatever the hell it was. It's going to bug me anyway, it's... but it was, yeah. And so they, they dipped their toe into the pop stuff, but um, their insistence on adhering to strong vocal harmonies and analog instruments make them just a wonderful underrated pick that are kind of, they're the kind of famous that I would want to be, which is you and I have talked about this in terms of guys like Henry Rollins, and this is a microcosm of that. I never wanted to be famous in like a Tom Cruise way where you walk, you can't walk down a public street without being mobbed. 
right? Yeah. I never even wanted to be famous in a way that people would be weird about like approaching you somewhere. I wanted to be, if I was going to be famous, I wanted to be super famous with like 10 people, right? Like, like the, my, my 18 fans are fucking ride or die. And I feel like, uh, Dala is one of those acts where the people that I know, like when Ducky turned me on to these, these girls, she was like, you're going to love this. And I did. And I do. And I've seen them live. Uh, Dee and I went to see them live a couple of years ago prior to COVID. And they are terrific live. They sing, they sing like that. They're just amazing. And I've seen them do YouTube video, like crappy YouTube videos from a bedroom all the way up to live. And they are consistently, consistently excellent. So I have, and I, before I get into my, my, um, my tracks. I wanted to know what your takeaways were because you said you mentioned you liked them, but you hadn't heard of them before. Oh yeah, like uh, like uh, I guess like, one of the things this podcast is going to bring out of uh, of listeners is that Brent's music tastes are a lot more varied than you probably think they are. You're um, one of those people. Like people will say, "Oh, I listen to everything," and then you find out, "Oh, they don't like country, and they don't like hip hop, and they don't like this." Yeah. You like some of everything you're one of the like six people on earth that i know that really can say that yeah i i'm i'm really especially at this point in my life it's like good music is good music it doesn't matter what genre it is if it if it is undeniable it will hit you and that that's what these ladies are for me like they it was i was kind of surprised i hadn't heard of them before Mm -hmm. um and i this is going to come off as an insult, but I really don't mean it that way. They strike me uh, from everything that I listen to. They very much strike me as the best possible um, kind of band that CBC probably or CBC Radio probably placed like the crap out of. And yes. I don't listen to CBC Radio at all for very. They went reasons. on tour. They went on three different tours with Stuart McLean, who's the host of CBC Radio's Vinyl Cafe. Oh, okay, that yeah, they are so that, right and they there. they. And I don't. I honestly don't mean that as an insult. It just it, it it fits kind of some of that mold, but in the very best way possible. The the vocal harmonies on these albums, like that I've heard so far, are really good. Yeah. And I, I just like it's, it's nice, chill out music with a, where you can almost you can do both with it. If you pay attention to it, there's a lot of depth in there in the lyrics. But if you're not, it's just nice background ambient music. Like it, it's um, again, this is going to sound like a diss, and I really don't mean it that way. This is the type of music um, I get uh regular massages mm-hmm. uh for because i'm old and things creak and need to be maintained and that's how, how i maintain them it, it was be something that my uh masseuse would be playing while i'm getting my back worked on that like but halfway through i would start paying attention to the lyrics and go wow this is really yeah, good you're absolutely right like, it's relaxing but it has a depth to it that you like it's almost like uh kind of like a a really fine whiskey in some ways is like the first is like oh yeah it's booze and then like as you're sort of sipping on it you can kind of like pick out the the textures mm-hmm. and the depth and flavor and stuff like yep. that is it, it, it's so good and it was like 
when you sent me the list, I like I listened to the first three and listened to a bunch more. I immediately sent it to my wife saying like you should pay it like listen to this cuz this is definitely up your alley mm-hmm. too. She uh Jen really likes music that she can sing along to. Oh, and this is singable. That, that and this is definitely in like her wheelhouse for that sort of stuff. So yeah, like really good choice. I'm glad you put it on the list. Yeah. This is something I can add to my like semi regular playlist. The regular listeners of composers know that I dabble in music and I've had kind of a pretend pseudo career in music over the last 20 years. And this is where I live. So, like singer songwriter, coffee house, heavy on the lyrics. Mm. You know, this is very much where I spent most of my time writing music, drawing inspiration from is stuff like this. Uh, there's a line, the three tracks that I chose. Uh, are from various parts of their career. Um, the first one and the one that I'm going to reference first is actually the most recent was from Best Day, which came out in 2012. The track's called Good as Gold, and it's very polished, and it's it represents their most recent work, I guess, outside of their solo stuff, because um, Amanda took time off to have a family, and Sheila was doing some solo work, which is excellent as well, and you should absolutely check out. Oh, okay, cool. Um, but Good as Gold came out, and uh, Best Day came out in 2012, and the song Good as Gold was on there, and I quite like it. It was the big, it was the single. I haven't listened to their latest stuff as much, because I, frankly, kind of forgot about them for a little while until we started talking about this episode. It, yeah, it does happen. Like, there, it's... It is the good slash bad about the internet, right? Yeah. Or in streaming is you like now it's not like how it was when we were young, where if we wanted to listen to one of these bands, we would have to trek up to a mall somewhere and go to a Sam the Record Man and hope that they had the CD. Or like tape it off the radio then, with some asshole DJ talking over the first 10 seconds of it. Yeah, and, yeah. Is, is now we have, you like almost literally have every song you could possibly want to listen to at your fingertips, but that also means you have almost every song <laughs> you could possibly want to listen to at your fingertips. And sometimes like... Things you like, like that honestly you like, just sort of fall by the wayside for a little bit, and but then it's a happy rediscovery Yeah, when you find them again. Yeah, and you know, that's exactly what happened here. I started going through my list of Canadian bands and I and I went and I happened to be talking to Ducky because um peek behind the curtain, if I do another Canadian bands you should be listening to for Kruger Records, uh, which I might do for a special at some point, Ducky's the next person I'm gonna talk to because of the aforementioned folk connections. Um, yeah. cause she turned me on to Danny Michelle and, uh, Steve Poltz and a whole bunch of other really cool acts. Uh, but Dala resonates with me. This, um, uh, the second track I pulled was from Who Do You Think You Are 2007, which is Hockey Sweater, which is kind of a, it's, it's a love song, but it's like a love song for a lost experience more than a lost person. And it really, I, again, this is very much my shit. And then the third one is, is this hands down probably my favorite song by Dala is Northern Lights, which was, uh, from the album Everyone is Someone, which is my favorite Dala album, which came out in 2009. And the reason that I like this song so much is because of the line that was taken from this song, which was, which was, uh, to name the album, which is, I always fall in love from far away because everyone is someone when they're lit up on a stage. And I fucking love that line. That is an encapsulation a, of really why cool. I got into music. 
uh, you know, and it's just, it's, and again, I haven't had the opportunity to meet these girls. Ducky has, and they are as nice, uh, apparently as you would hope they are. They're incredibly gracious. Again, you don't get very far in Canadian folk circles if you are not easy to work with and very professional because it's a small scene. It's actually a huge scene, but it's also a small scene and word yep. gets around and these girls are, I mean, they're, they're Canadian folk royalty as far as I'm concerned. And I, I cannot highly recommend them enough. If this is your bag and you're into this kind of thing, pour a tea and get like a shawl that you can wrap around yourself and sit in one of them big oval chairs, you know, the ones <laughs> and make sure it's raining and open the window and put on this, put on these records. And I think you're really going to have a good time with it. Dala, check them out. Yeah. Yes. So, I totally agree with that. So one. that's it. That's our three each. This was a little, yep. actually, you know, I was going to say it's a little longer than the regular ones will be, but this is not actually all that long. This is about as long as I was expecting it was going to be. So I suspect that you can expect yeah. more or less this moving forward into listen to this, which I'm really excited. Yeah. Dude, this was fun. Yeah, uh, like like I said at the top, Alex and I have been looking for an excuse to do a show together, and we've also been looking for an excuse to like talk to one another on a more regular basis. And this ensures that at least once a month, Alex and I have to sit down and speak to one another and speak to one another about <laughs> so. something we both love. Because that's what I was saying before. Like this is very much yeah. this is not not just us recording a conversation with a little bit of structure, which you know is more or less how podcasts work. It seems these days, but. Uh, I think yeah. this is going to be a fun adventure. This is a really great companion to the stuff I do on Kruger Records, uh, which, by the way, might as well do the plug, plugity, plug, plug, plug. You can find all the composers shit mm. at Composers Pod, which is where you are. Uh, and you can get me on, on Twitter, um, either at Composers Pod for the main show or my Twitter's Alex James Tunes. Uh, Brent, where are you? So, uh, you can find me, uh, at True North Nerds, uh, just, if you put in truenorthdurance.com, it will give you a landing page where you can find our podcast, find our Patreon, uh, which is patreon.com slash truenorthnerds. And it will uh, also link to other places where you can listen to the main show, which is uh, for listeners of composers. If you aren't familiar with me, it's a bunch of nerd stuff, uh, comics, movies, things like that. For uh, my listeners, if you're listening to Alex's show, it's about movie scores, and it's really good. You should <laughs> listen to that. And I'm not just saying that because I'm doing a show with them. Um, the other place you can find me, I am active on Twitter under BC Nerdhole. Uh, I chose that name for a previous podcast eons ago, and I just have never bothered to change and it. And Twitter's on fire now, so there's not much point in yeah, rearranging deck chairs on the Titanic. There's no at this point. point at some point when it finally collapses, and I move over to whichever version of the Twitter-like product that I end up liking. I'll I'll come up with something better then. Yeah, but um, yeah. So uh, as well, if feel free to reach out and contact us if you have like music show ideas you want Alex and I to tackle. We've got a couple already in the bank for uh, for uh, in the ideas that we want to do. Uh, I already threw one at Alex that Alex is like, oh, that's yeah. a good one. So we we probably got episode two already laid down, but we, we're not opposed to, especially since uh, a lot of you who will be listening to us are kind of paying for the pleasure of 
this in your ear holes. So if you have ideas, send them out to us. We we will do our best to take a look and see whether the, it is possible. Hell yeah. We've talked about guests. We've talked about genres and other ideas. So um, I foresee this show going on for a while. Yeah, and I think it's I think it's going to be a really good time. I, yeah, for those of you that I forgot, fucking Patreon.com slash Composers Pod. That's where we find all of our extra shows. And this one will be included in the bunch. And I'm looking forward to doing more of this. So we don't have, we don't have a, if you want to email us, you can get, I just, for now, just email us at composerspod, uh, it's composerspodcast at gmail.com. Yep. We'll set up an email for this show for the next episode, probably. Um, but for yeah. now, this is, that's why this is a pilot. Yeah, exactly. This is a soft pilot. This is your, this is your long weekend if you're here in Canada and, uh, and are lucky enough to get the day off in lieu for Canada Day on Saturday, whatever the hell it is. But, uh, I wrote a little outro for this, so we'll see if it sticks. Thanks so much for listening to us tell you what to listen to. Like the lady said, if you ever get lonely, just go to the record store and visit your friends. And if you don't know what you want to hear, listen to this. This music is the glue of the world, Mark. It holds it all together. Without this, life would be meaningless.